And welcome into Sports Talk on a Tuesday. It is a two-hour extravaganza discussing sports and more. Maybe informing you, maybe entertaining. Bonus if we can do both. A win if we can do one. And if we can't do either, hopefully you'll give us another shot. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate. We go till 6 o'clock. Evan's in for hour number two. Coming up, our Tuesday chat with Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. Hour number two, you may have seen him on the Big Ten Network. Joshua Perry covers Big Ten football and was at the Illinois football game as well. Ohio State alum, he'll join us on the line and uh, we'll get some of his thoughts about the conference. Some other odds and ends to sprinkle in as well. As Lauren Tate settles in, and Mr. Tate, as we look back at a football game on Saturday that Illinois won to start off the year and get ready for the Big Ten game, a lot of chatter about anything but the actual game, given yeah, the fan it's, it's experience. It's unfortunate when you have that many people stuck outside and, and they couldn't get in, and, and uh, it really overshadowed. At the time, I, I don't think some of us in the press box realized I just happened to go back and look. Uh, with about five minutes gone in the game, I had a hunch that there was going to be a problem from things I'd seen earlier, and I went back there, and I thought, oh, my goodness. There was just a huge number of people still trying to get in after we scored that first touchdown. Josh Whitman, U of I Athletic Director, issued a statement today. Maybe you heard it in the news update. We regret very sincerely the challenges that many of our fans experienced while attending our football game against Wyoming on Saturday. All of us with Illinois Athletics are beyond grateful for the loyal, enthusiastic support that show uh, that so many fans show our team week in and week out. We understand the commitment that's necessary to attend games in terms of both time and money, and we will never take for granted the faith that our ticket holders place in us to deliver an experience worth their investment. This is true, of course, for what happens on the field, but equally true, if not more so, for what happens off of it. From parking and tailgating to stadium entry and concessions, we must do better. Following Saturday's problems, we are reviewing all aspects of our game day operation and are committed to making needed improvements to provide the kind of experience that our fans want and deserve. We'll be communicating these changes in advance of our next home game on September 10th. We apologize for what transpired on Saturday and look forward to welcoming our fans back to Memorial Stadium with an experience that meets our high standards. So there it is. In sum, an apology and a plan to take to make changes to make it better. It doesn't get any specifics, but uh, well, they're sure going to communicate that, they said. There'll be some changes. You can bet on that. And they, they need more, oper- more openings. They need more uh, places for people to get in. I mean, yeah. And they need to have more workers, and, of course, that means you're going to have to pay them more than maybe they're paying them. I will say Everybody's this. got the same problem with restaurants, whatever it is all over yes. the country, all over this part of the state and all over the country. And, and I mentioned this to Evan, too. Whenever you go to a stadium, anywhere, 
with a significant number of people, there's going to be a line for something somewhere. Concessions, mm-hmm. bathrooms, getting in, parking, what have you. That's just part of the deal when you go to a sporting event. This was extraordinary. But Illinois' turnout is half of what it is at yeah. most, I say, many uh, Big Ten sites. Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, 80,000 plus. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. I mean, I don't... I don't, I'm sure they have worked out where they can get the people in and out the way they want to. Let me ask you this. In a post-9-11 world that we've been in now for 21 years, mm-hmm. would you trade off some of the security measures? N- n- no, but I would have in this case. In this, when, when you have a thousand, you know, I, I, I don't know the number. I threw out the number. Of th- I'm sure there were a thousand people out there trying to get in after the game mm-hmm. started. And all the people in line, you know they wouldn't be in line if they didn't have tickets. And you know you're not checking what they really, what the women are carrying or anything else in their purses. You, you know you're skipping through that. It's a cursory so glance in sometimes. in that case, in that single case, in that one moment, I would say let them in. Just open the thing and let everybody in as fast as they can go in. Don't have to show tickets, nothing. Because what if somebody... You think there's anybody there without a ticket? <laughs> I mean, why would you even be in? The, you know, yeah. could there have been a single person there without a ticket? So let them in in that case. But no, I don't. I don't think you can do it on a regular basis. You, you're too vulnerable. Sure, and not just to something uh, catastrophic, but also, you know, more individual ne'er do wells that might just want to bring in something stupid. Or whatever they, you, you've got to check for all that, but you have to. It, that's always the trade-off. Security is always an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Having security, I'm, I'm saying, you yeah. know, you, you'd rather leave your front door unlocked when you leave the house. But if you do, you're, well, you're vulnerable. I, what I just suggested, I'm told they could not do. Yeah. I suggested they just let everybody in at that point. Once the game had started, and people were, and that many people were out there, I would just, I would have let them in, but. I'm told that's not a good idea. Well, that's not why you're that's why you're not in charge. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, if you have any thoughts to weigh in on all that, Castle Heating and Cooling Text line is 217-351-5357. Um and hopefully specific uh, uh measures are taken. And look, I know some of the people that are the in in event management and they're wonderful people and they work their tails off. So I don't know what went wrong, why it went wrong, but they got some smart folks over there, and they're going to fix it. A combination of a lot of things. Just, just uh, some, some of it has to do with people arriving late. Some of it has to do with uh, breakdowns, maybe in in uh, computers. I don't know. You know, uh, everybody's has to show their ticket on their phone now. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of those didn't work. As for the actual game, Illinois won it 38-6. to If you were among those caught up in lines trying to make it by kickoff, you missed a lightning-quick touchdown that occurred on the second play from scrimmage for Illinois. But uh, you did catch a good showing from the defense that held Wyoming to just six points. Illini defensive coordinator Ryan Walters talked with us today looking back on the victory. Yeah, you know, uh, Tommy's got a personality, a demeanor that I think guys are gravitated to. Well, that's Brett Bielma, and that's not Ryan Walters. I'm going to bring that up for you here, and I know what I did. did not See, even the radio hosts aren't 
you know, week one or week zero. We're not perfect. <laughs> yeah, that that was a known uh, a, a <laughs> known issue. But anyway, uh, Mr. Tate, we, as a, this is the start to look ahead to Indiana and uh, the, 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 the odds makers, the prognosticators, what are basically calling this a toss up. I think I really actually am starting to feel Illinois in this one. I just think they have enough momentum and Indiana is trying to piece together so much. New coordinator, new players, or players new to them. There's well, just a have, lot of whole factors. We have to ask the question, was it Peasley or was it the Illinois defense, that, particularly the secondary? They've got some really good players in the secondary, Illinois. Martin's a national player of the, of the week. Of course, there's very few games, but uh, defensively, uh, Martin was, was uh, named on two occasions, I guess. And uh, I, I think that uh, Sidney Brown's solid, and I think Witherspoon is exceptional. I thought that return he made on that – Interception was was outstanding, mm-hmm. so I think that Illinois' pass defense is really good. Uh, maybe we're not getting as much pressure as I would like yet, but uh, hopefully that will come. All right, here's Ryan Walters. We have it now. The Illinois defensive coordinator. Obviously, you keep him out of the end zone. You feel good about it. There are a lot of plays left out there, though. You could tell there were some, you know, game one uh, mistakes. You know, I thought the the speed of the game, especially early kind of caught us off guard a little bit and you know they Wyoming's got a great rushing attack and they got good backs and well coached up front um, they played tough and physical we thought we thought that going into it and um, had to settle in there a little bit on some of those plays um, but you know to our guys credit they they were able to correct some of the mistakes early um, and I thought we played fast played physical and, and tackled well um, and I thought you know we we uh, matched up well on the outside in coverage how much coaching points have been with the outside linebackers, but they kind of bit in on some of those options a few times. What was the uh, well, some of that was scheme oriented, like they were doing their job, and I was gonna, I was gonna make the quarterback, you know, prove to us that he could run. Um, so when when he did that on the on the longer run, we we corrected that. Um, that was so that wasn't really on on the players. That was more scheme. And so you know, I thought I thought the outside guys did a, a, a good job. You know, we we got out of gap a couple times. They you know they did a, a good job on their outside zone scheme. Um, we had been practicing a lot on the on the power, and we saw it one time. You know, um, I thought that was interesting. But uh, in, in the Wyoming's credit, like I said, they're they're well coached, and they got running backs that run hard. And um, I thought our guys did a good job of settling in, though. Once once they sort of adjusted to the speed, adjusted to the the way Wyoming was trying to attack us. So there you go. Now you you asked Lauren about why they didn't. Uh... They didn't get to the quarterback that much, and he was asked about that today and if it mattered. So here's a little bit of Ryan Walter's thoughts on uh, not really getting to the quarterback. They stayed in 12 personnel a lot. Um, they didn't get five out a lot, so they had extra guys in there um, in protection, and they got the ball out quick. There wasn't a whole lot of drop back. Um, when they were trying to go down the field, they moved the pocket um, you know, with some boots, some, some uh, rollouts. Uh, so there wasn't really uh, a lot of opportunities to just get straight pass rush. So I'm not I'm not worried about that right now. Um, you know, any the, the pass defense goes hand in hand, and you know I don't, I don't know what the exact stats were, but I think if we had those kind of stats every day and through the air, we'd be we'd be happy. So um, I think those guys up front are doing a good job, and they'll continue to get better. Um, and they'll continue to have more opportunities as we start playing against offenses that want to spread us out a little bit more. There you go. He's basically saying it's not. Well, they did move the pocket. Yeah, it I mean, wasn't the very. Quarterback con- was mobile. Yeah, it wasn't very conducive to rushing. The the passer they didn't dial up many blitzes, but they didn't really need to. 
mm-hmm. because what was it, thirty yards yeah. passing? So it's a little bit double edged there uh, because they didn't get a lot of reps in of that kind of thing in game action, but also Indiana hasn't really seen what all that Illinois is equipped to do defensively. Well, Illinois will make changes every week, uh, defensively and offensively. That you know that they'll have some some. I'm sure they'll have more blitzes in this week, uh, although I, I I don't know that uh, Indiana has a great pass off. And you know, last year they only averaged about 100. What was it? Uh, 51% completions in passing last year. Now they got a different quarterback, a different receiver. They got everything different this year. By the way, I'm, I want to take a minute here and tell you. So I, I saw where uh, there was a statistic that somebody went to the trouble to determine that of Power 5 programs, 48% have quarterbacks transferred. Transfer quarterbacks. Starting? Starting. 48. That's almost half of them. But listen to this. Indiana, after that rough season last year, quarterback Basilek is from Missouri. Shivers and Henderson are from Auburn and North Carolina. That's their running backs. Receivers... Emory Simmons from North Carolina, and the slot is D.J. Matthews from Florida State. The defensive line, Tavis is a starter from Cal, second-teamers from UCLA and Ole Miss. Linebackers, Bradley Jennings from Miami, and Aaron and Casey from Kentucky. The center on the team is Zach Carpenter from Michigan. I mean, I think over half of their players are transfers, starters. If you're playing in the Big Ten East, let alone the West, you can't play the game that Michigan and Ohio State are playing of go get the best five stars and four stars as freshmen. You've got to play the go get good players that want a shot. make it at Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. But football players change tremendously. They do. They do. So they're just – I think it's – the difference between a senior football player and a freshman football player at most positions is pretty vast. There's a few freshman positions that could be impact guys right away, but you got to play that, you know, you're almost treating uh, the other programs out there like your development. I don't know if it's sustainable, but you just, you cannot play the same. It's it's what Moneyball was 20 well, some years ago for Illinois the athletics. did this year to put this team together. Whatever Illinois did, they have to do again next year, transfer-wise. They need at least six or eight good transfers to come in and play next year because their their, their high school uh, recruiting is not up to snuff. Hasn't been. All right, Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. We talk to him every Tuesday with his thoughts on Illinois football, and that is straight ahead on Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. It's Tuesday, and I'm Scott, and he is Lauren. And Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com, is here as well for a regular Tuesday chat. Good to see you. Um, shall we start with on the field or off the field? Because I mean, we were a- just talking about maybe we should start with off the field. <laughs> I thought Josh Whitman's statement is spot on. I mean, it's, it's what else could you ask for somebody in his position that uh, we need to do better? Uh, we're sorry. We're going we're gonna to fix it. Yeah. And and then it's up to them to actually fix it. Um, it's I'm sure it's no one person's fault. I'm sure it's nobody was trying to make things miserable for fans. And we all have worse problems in the world than standing in a line. But yet 
when you're there, you want to just get in, you want to see the game, you want to support the team. So they're going to try and fix it. Yes, yes. And, you know, <clears throat> to me, the, the minor issue, look, everybody's going to have a glitch in a computer system or something like this. It happens to everyone. It's not like, you know, the, the last thing I wanted my article to be was some kind of like, I'm going to leave a one-star Yelp review. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for that kind of vibe. Uh, you know, the the issue is, you know, I know a lot of these tailgaters. I know a lot of the season ticket holders. I talk to a lot of people. And I I know their feeling toward showing up on Saturday and getting season tickets every year and continuing to donate and everything else. Um, you know, they feel like they're supporters of the team, that they are, you know, it's like a British soccer team, if you want, or something else, that you're not really... Minus scarves. Yes, you're just, yeah, you, this is my team, and I support them, and my money goes to help the team win kind of thing. And so when a group of people feels like they're treated, hey, this, you know, we're not, the game environment isn't that great, and we're just going to have a couple ticket takers here, whatever the issue is, when people have that feeling, that's not a good combination of... Look, I'm, I've been showing up for 25 years, and we've, you know, the last 27 years we had five winning seasons. I still show up. I still give my money, and now I can't even get in the stadium to to see the game because they've they've cut back on whatever was cut back or whatever system failed to, um, you know, to to prevent 30 minute waits to get through the gates. Assuming a win over Indiana, what do you think? It'll, how will it impact the Virginia? In I think terms it, of attendance. I think it could be a great crowd. I really do. Like, I mean, we've we've seen this before, right? Like, Arizona State in 2011, North Carolina in, in Lovey's first season. You know, there's that early September, bigger game. Hey, good tailgating. This one's at 3 o'clock. North Carolina was evening. You know, there, the, Arizona State was evening. You know, it starts to set up in people's minds of like, oh, you know, September tailgating is great and it is a pretty big, you know, it's not some nobody opponent. And so, yes, they could, with a win on Friday night, they could really spark uh, one of the better crowds in years, I think. Uh, you don't think that the people having the bad experience will elect not to come I mean, back? I hope not. I mean, I heard from a lot of people, I mean... <laughs> Look, it's Twitter on, you know, in 2022. So, you know, maybe some of them are Russian bots, but, but you know, like, <laughs> you know, some people are like, I was going to go to a bunch of games and now I'm not this year. And I look, you know, the guy lives in Colorado and it's like, no, you weren't going to go to a bunch of games. You just want to be able to say you were going to go to a bunch of games and you're not, you know, like it. Yes, there is that faction of it. And that that's obviously the concern of this. But again, to me, the bigger picture is these the people who have been behind this team for decades um, who, I mean, look, I'm one of them. I invite people. I, I've got, like, I'm, I'm not kidding, like 20 people coming to the Virginia game, coming to our tailgate, like people I went to high school with and their kids and, and everything else. Like, we're that crowd out there going out and saying, hey, just, I know, yes, I know it's more fun to go to other schools and this and that. Why don't you come up? Just come up to a tailgate on Saturday. This will be a good game. You really enjoy yourself. And so that's my concern is that these people, this group of people who will constantly show up and have been doing it for 20 years, that that group of people um, well, one of the has the ability to do it. tailgating is the fact that a lot of those people have televisions over there and they stay there and watch the game in, in, in the Grove. Yes. I mean, and, and that's not in the Grange Grove, but across the street. Right. And that's, a, I mean, that's an issue student wise, too. Look, when I was a student, uh, you know, I was in fraternity block, and what fraternity block meant at that time was you got a block of tickets. Usually, I mean, for for when I was there, it was in the 
in the East Balcony. You know, a fraternity and a sorority would partner for quote unquote football block and get a big block of tickets and go to every game. Now that still happens, but they go to the bars. They'll go to the bars and watch the game that's happening a mile away, and they'll watch it on TV. Scott came up with an idea earlier, and, and I, I think it makes it's some sense. Since they're not filling the east side anyway, would you want to see the students move to the east side from the, from the, the uh, north stands? Evidently, yeah. Bielema likes that idea. That, I remember at one time that's where the students sat. When I was in Block I as a student in 1991, uh, that was the point, that the visitors were on that side and that the Block I was right behind the visiting bench and yelling and screaming and you know making noise directly behind the team. And, yeah, I, that's I how have, it's always been. I've never liked the placement of the students in the north end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it, it's nice for a beauty shot on television, but they're too far away. And it's a nice-looking structure, but they're too far away. Students, it, it, the Memorial Stadium's too wide. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's not Kinnick, where you can get right on top of it, but do something to help create uh, an intimidating environment for opponents. Yes. And, here's the, here's and, the problem. That structure was built for that purpose. And with only two stairways down to the field, oh, so wow. that any kind of food, uh, field rush would take a long time for everybody to get down the stairs. <laughs> well, yes. if they want to rush the field after a big win, I'm all for it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Show me the big win first. That's right. I don't care what happens after. Just, just like Middle Tennessee State all over again. Yep. Um, what about? Okay, I really think Illinois can win this football game on Friday night, mm-hmm. and if they do, I I just don't think Virginia. Look, maybe we're, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just don't, I don't think Virginia. It just isn't going to go the same way. I know Brennan Armstrong's back. It's just not going to go the same way. I, I think it'd be too much of we're not letting that happen again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but from what I saw on Saturday, I think I saw a football team out there. Yep, in orange and blue. I th- and I think I saw a team from one game that looks like it could be a bowl game, bowl team. I'm not saying it's. I'm just saying, it, it looks like it's a it's a football team. Mm-hmm. It had it played with plan and purpose. I would agree with that. Uh, it was, you know, it was, you know, there were lulls and this and that, but everything you wanted to see that your secondary is strong, that Chase Brown could be a star, that Devito is an upgrade, all those things, you did see them. I mean, I don't want to throw a bucket of water on this, but <laughs> you know. Wyoming's this, not very good. Well, a Wyoming is one of the younger teams to ever come in. Like they, you know, they're they had so many guys just playing football for the college football the first time. And, you know, they started more sophomores than any other age group. But and freshmen, <laughs> yes, and freshmen. But on top of that, this is a road game, the first road game for Illinois. I mean, I mean, I can quote it off the top of my head. The last good one was Syracuse in two thousand seven. The first time you go on the road is a loss at Virginia. I mean, look at North Carolina, at Washington. You know, is that you, an Illinois thing or is that a football thing? I mean, partly a football thing. I mean, remember the two thousand thirteen Illinois team was really bad, and Cincinnati was good. I think they were even ranked. They came in having just beaten somebody handily, came into Champaign and lost. That was a 4-8 and eight Illinois football team, but that was Cincinnati going on the road for the first time. Like, oh, wait, suddenly nothing is working. We well, so, never won two games in a row last year ever. Yeah, so when would be the last? I guess they won two in a row in 2020. Their only two wins came uh, back-to-back records in Nebraska. But, yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a long time since since even just winning two games in a row. And, again, the first time, the last time Illinois went on the road 
in the first game and won, I think, is 2007 Syracuse. I love how complex football is and the schemes and the play calls and the formations, and it can get over your head so quick, and it can be boiled down to, well, it's hard to win on the road, especially the first game of the season. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I have always explained it as, like, there is such – I mean, listen to Brett Bielma talk. There's such process to what he talks about. Hey, we worked on red zone in. We worked on red zone out today. We worked on third downs only. You know, they, they, he, everything is such process. And road games, you know, you're in a hotel. It's a different environment. You're playing on a different surface. That's why they're practicing Wednesday night, by the way. They're getting ready for a night game. Yes, yes. There's so much different about that that it's just it just throws everybody. I mean, we've seen great Alabama teams go on the road and suddenly, like, wait, why is nothing working? Like is this, it, is my, I think he avoids them, doesn't he? Doesn't Saban avoid those non? Well, this is a conference, right? But he avoids the non-conference true road games. Yes, you know that's why coaches go for neutral yeah. because both teams have that. We're staying in a hotel. Things are weird. Different service, different background. You know, different comfort level. All that kind of stuff. You know, the surface is a big thing. Like what you're used to running. That's why Brad Bielma wants to practice in the stadium as much as he can, because he wants the advantage of understanding what our turf is and how it's a little different from other turf and how deep are the rubber pellets and that kind of thing. Because you know, there's just a comfort level to all of it. How would you feel if Indiana, which hasn't been a very regular opponent for Illinois in quite some time, and this is the first trip to that stadium for Illinois in, what, nine years? Uh, how would you feel if in the future they become a regular opponent in this whatever setup they're going to do, pods or mm-hmm. divisions, that kind of thing? Um, you know, to, it, it, it's just Illinois-Indiana, that's always felt like a basketball thing. But yep. Is it a football thing? Can it be? I think it should be. Um, you know, I, I think it... I mean, Lauren, you can tell me this. Like, it, it felt like it kind of was in the late '80s. Like M- Mallory had a pretty good team at, at Indiana, and and McAvoy had a good, you know, in 1990 ish. Both programs were maybe at one of their higher levels that had a couple good games. Never it's never been as, a rivalry. Never been a rivalry as much as the Purdue. Purdue's more of a rivalry. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, but, but if you go back, I think it has been. Yeah, and uh, they've beaten Illinois a number of times. Recently, when I thought Illinois had a really good chance to win, I don't know why that is, but yeah, I yeah. Think for, for some reason, now not in basketball, mm-hmm. I think the Illinois Indiana rivalry has been, you know, that's forever. Yeah. To answer your question, Scott, I I do think, um, you know, the ideal situation. You say they do go to the pod system. Say say when the Big Ten goes to sixteen teams, they they say, okay, here's your three regular opponents every single year. That's your pod. Northwestern Indiana and Purdue would be I mean could it be more ideal yes, you know yes. somebody you know, you know Rutgers could I get think Penn wants there Iowa would, or Wisconsin there would be yeah. somebody when they sit down to figure it out they'll think that's not fair yeah that, somebody would get like Michigan State Michigan Ohio State mm-hmm. Penn State like, you know it's not fair yeah yeah that's really rough if <laughs> Illinois gets Northwestern Indiana and Purdue every year yeah. um but the way the Big Ten's looking at that is like, like, look, that's only three games on your schedule every year. It's a three-five-five kind of deal. So you play those three teams plus these five one year, and then you play those three teams but these five the next year, and then you've played, you know, every team in the Big Ten. I guess now you got to expand that if you're going to, you know, adding UCLA and USC. But, but if Illinois could have a pod like that, it would be really, you know, really, I don't know, beneficial in the sense that. 
Look, we just came out of a, you know, the, Illinois just escaped a deal where it was going to be six years of playing Penn State every every year. So, you know, that's it's a lot uh, that's a lot easier. A couple of text comments to throw in here to the conversation, both from the 217, one from a season ticket holder that said there were no problems getting in in the East Balcony. Uh, so was surprised to see Josh Whitman's communication. And the other was from a texture saying basically uh, that they talked to somebody who was a, a, a supervisor and, and the problem was with the electronic tickets and between people not knowing how to use their phones or having phones ready and the sun glare and those things not reading them correctly, just go to paper tickets. Yes. Um, <laughs> here, my, I'll, I'll answer both. A, uh, yes, on the east side, it was supposedly better than the west side. Oh, what yeah. I wrote my article about was the west side, which is where a lot of the tailgates are coming in. And on that west side, um, you know, all three entrances had at least half-hour lines. And when you have a stadium, you know, if Wisconsin has 80,000 seats and they don't have lines and can get 80,000 people in, when Illinois has a, you know, 37,800 on, on Saturday, you have to be able to get those people in immediately. There's no, no ands, ifs. There's no... <laughs> That's a failure is not an option. Yes. Uh, Number two, and this is the other thing I suggested, is if those scanners are not working, I mean, even yes, throw open the gates and let people in. I wish they would have done that. But on top of that, you can still visually see the ticket. I mean, look, when we had paper tickets, all they did was tear the stub off the bottom. If you can visually see the ticket on people's screen, but you can't scan it, just say, let me see your four tickets, you're in. That eliminates every line, you know. Those all I was writing about was there needs to be systems like there there has to be backups to backups to backups because it's a fragile fan base and by fragile I mean people think when they renew every year man am I going to do this again what if we lose nine games again and when you have that type of fan base you got to cater to them you just have to Robert Rosenthal Illiniboard dot com bottom line what's your feel about this Indiana game other than that it's on the road yes I mean. <laughs> That thought overwhelms everything, uh, I think. You know, it's like, you know, how, gosh, Quan Martin was so incredibly good. You know, if Sidney Brown can have a better game, I mean, that's really going to shut down Indiana. And, you know, Randolph and Newton are so good. And, you know, you start thinking those things, and then you think, oh, wait, I've watched that Illinois road game where you fumble on the second play. and You know, they go down and kick a field goal. You get the ball. You fumble on the second play. They punch it in. It's 10 nothing. four minutes into the game. You're like, what just happened? You know, we've seen that game so many times. Hopefully it's different under this coach. That would be a great sign. But, you know, that overwhelms every thought I have about this game is like, okay, well, last time we did it was 15 years ago at Syracuse. Your simplicity is is not simplistic, but your simplicity in your take here is, is noted. And, and it may just I, I all be. You know, I'll repeat what I said. I don't know how anybody can pick a game when you got this many transfers. Yep, I mean, you're right. I, we don't know if they're good transfers. We don't know if they're average transfers. And Illinois has got transfers too, but Indiana, my goodness. Yep, and got, a new offense and a new defense. Yeah, everything. Right. And the head coach yep. is calling the defense. I mean, that didn't work for Levy, but it, this is what Allen is doing. He's going to call the defensive plays, even though he has a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And and they got a new offensive coordinator who was at UMass. I I don't know what to expect. I don't think we know. I, we we were trying to check on what it just put yourself in Walter's position as a defensive coordinator for Illinois. He's got to look up okay, he's got to look up um, Missouri games to see how Bezalek played. Mm-hmm. He's got to look up 
Auburn games to see how Shivers played as a running back. He's got to look up North Carolina game. I'm, I'm not going to yeah. go through the whole Florida thing, State, but, yeah. UMass. But, yeah. And then he's got to try to figure out what the what the coordinator is going to do, and and you know, and it's it's all new, and and they can pull any surprise they you know out of their hat that they, they want to because they don't know I hadn't seen any of it. Yeah, but I, I I'll trust Illinois' defense a year in now more than I'll trust. A, a new offense. I do too. So I, I that's where I get. Always, plus, uh, it's also called Memorial Stadium, so maybe that won't throw them off. That's <laughs> right. All right. That's right. <laughs> All right, sir. Alliantboard.com is where we find you writing. We find you tweeting at Alliant Eye. And uh, we'll see you Friday night at the other Memorial Stadium, one of them. I will be there. All right. Thank you very much. Robert Rosenthal, Alliantboard.com. We're back on Sports Talk. Fifteen years ago today, Lauren, the Big Ten Network sure took did. to the air. Docterman came up with another terrific story on it. From really? Oh, boy. Just really good stuff. I enjoyed writing, uh, reading him in The, the he, Athletic. He just did the history of it. I, I always chuckle when they replay the opening statement that was made by Dave Revson, which the first words out of his mouth were 11 teams. <laughs> it's increasingly inaccurate. <laughs> but uh, what a venture, and others have and it, followed suit. He told suit. the story of Rebson, and, you know, he was with ESPN, and they, they, he, when he did the interview, he had already told his wife he definitely was not coming, you know, that he was, he was just going to try to use this to uh, increase his pay and his position at ESPN. Wow. And then he, uh, but the problem with talking to Delaney is, the problem is when you talk to Delaney, he can talk you into anything. He is really good. He is so smart, it's scary. And what he did with that Big Ten Network changed the world that we live in, the sports world that we live in. And Dave Revson's really sharp. Oh, he's he, terrific. Yeah. He knows how to uh, be a point guard there on a set, but mm-hmm. it's just... It's good. It's a good... Uh, he's know. written that book on the history of college football. Uh, a great analyst they have, uh, relatively recent to their roster, is Joshua Perry, and he'll be on with us next hour. So looking forward to talking with him. Linebacker from o- Ohio State, won a national championship. I think he's got a radio program, too, in Columbus. So looking forward to that. All right, uh, Mr. Tate, I thought you might enjoy uh, rehearing this. Sports Talk continues on this Oh, Monday. man, that is not what I meant to have you here. But I'll just tell you about it. It's 0 for 2 here. Albert Pujols, 694. Yeah, I don't see him hit many home runs to right field. He uh, got around late on that one and just got it over the wall. Stay behind the ball. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. he's. That's what uh, uh, Jim Edmonds was talking about on the broadcast. Well, Jim Edmonds hit to the opposite field a lot. Yes. He, he had that natural swing to do that. But Pujols is almost always out front. They, they expect him to pull. And only against lefties. Yeah, he's hitting a lot better against lefties than he is righties. But they're going to when he when he gets a good hit against the left hander, then they're leaving him in against the right hander. It'd be so neat to get him to see him get seven hundred, as if six ninety four isn't impressive. Well, it's just going to be hard to get enough at bats. But uh, the problem is, it depends on how many lefties you face, and you don't face as many lefties as you face righties in the long run. Well, everybody is in action tonight. We'll hear White Sox on this station tonight starting at 6.30. They take on the Kansas City Royals, by the way. Former Illini Michael Massey in the lineup there. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing for the team, playing against the team, I should say, for the second time that he grew up rooting for. 
went to Sox games all the time. Yep. You think you once you get into baseball, you shed your fandom pretty quick. <laughs> uh, and he's all Royals, but he's been I don't want he's too too little to say a slump. But you know it's just well he, he wasn't going to stay over three hundred very long, and he, and he didn't. It's too hard to do. Yeah, I mean it's just you know you see some really good hitters. I, I, I uh, Gorman for the Cardinals is just striking out time after time now, and uh, it's just they figure out if if you have any gap, if you have something that you can't hit, they're going to find it, and when they do, they're going to they emphasize it. All right, we'll come back, get ready for hour number two. Stay with us. Albert lifts it in the air out to deep right. At the wall, gone! 694 on an opposite field home run. And it's history. The 450th different pitcher that Albert is homered against. There it is. That's what I wanted to bring you. Well, another game tonight. Yeah, they get <laughs> Every C- day is a new game. They get Cincinnati tonight. Cubs in Toronto and White Sox at home against the Kansas City Royals. Tomorrow, we'll talk with Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star about the Indiana Hoosiers. Get his thoughts over there on uh, what they may have in store for Illinois on a Friday night. And, yeah, it's a real toss-up kind of game. There's just too many factors coming into this. Too many unknowns. Just This is a team that just fell apart last year. By the end of the season, they were barely showing up. They were getting beat by big, by big margins, and they only averaged 114 yards rushing per game. 114 to, as a team. And uh, I mentioned that their passing completions was 51%, so you can't win that way. And, and I, it looks like they, they just lost their mojo last year, and they're trying to get it back, and, they're, and they've lost eight consecutive games going into this game. Now, last year's games don't count this year. I understand that. But if this, is, this, game's mean, this game means everything to them, just as it does for Illinois. Yeah. Probably uh, the don't w- look for Illinois to be a bowl team if you can't beat Indiana. I mean that's kind of the thinking. Now that doesn't yeah. mean you can't turn it. I understand, but if you, if Illinois's got a great opportunity to go four and zero here before they go to Wisconsin, they do. They got a real chance. I mean it's it's, it's legit. And this is going to be a close game, I think. And I think that Illinois has got the the you know I think they've got the wherewithal to win the game. But it's, they're very comparable teams. All right, Mr. Tate. We'll yep. talk again tomorrow. I appreciate you joining us, as always. All right. Evan will come in after the news update at the top of the hour. And Joshua Perry from Big Ten Network is a guest. That is all straight ahead. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. By the way, tomorrow night as well, I want to remind you the debut of this year's Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show powered by the U of I Army ROTC. Colin Likas and Joey Wright will be bringing you that at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Here comes the news right now.